0: Is this the best Marlins team since 2003? Also, is Braxton Garrett a potential all-star? And if the Marlins want to upgrade this offense, is Max Meyer going to be on a move? This deadline, ladies and gents, this is Locked on Marlins. You are Locked on Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. from England. Welcome to Lockdown Marlins. This, of course, is your daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK. If you listen to the pod, hit subscribe. Of course, this is your team every single day. And thanks for making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day. There is a YouTube channel, guys. Head on over to there also. Hit subscribe. Yes, the YouTube channel. It's well named. It's called Locked on Marlins, head on over there. Hit subscribe if you are there. You will see. We've got the graphics queued. We've got the show queued. And there is no Sean Barrett. No Sean. He's been here every day this week. No Sean, no, this evening. Um, so it's just a solo pod. Just me. Little old me. I'm feeling a touch jaded, I'm not going to lie. Being been out watching my daughter play tennis in a tennis match. Four sets of tennis. Doubles. She won both games, by the way. Fat dubs. DJ, spin those bottle caps, baby. Um, But I'm feeling a touch jaded. It is approaching half past 10 p.m. UK time. And we are just about 40 minutes until first pitch in Boston for Game 3. And the news is just broken um, that maybe Yuli Gurriel's nose is broken. Gurriel seemingly has taken a ground ball in, in, you know, fielding practice to the face. Coop's already down ill. He's been struggling with illness like all year, Cooper Loops. So all of a sudden, Luis Arias sprung into action at first base. So the Marlins are going for a sweep here, but they're going to be dealing with some injuries. The interesting bit heading into this, before we kind of look back to yesterday's game, which was a stunner, by the way, a long one, it was moist. But the, uh, you know, the thing about this lineup Originally Jesus Sanchez wasn't in the lineup again. That was two days on the spin with no Jesus. However, with these injuries happening, Jesus Sanchez back in there hitting pretty low in the order. So I'm, you know, it's seemingly, you know, Skip maybe trying to give Jesus a bit of a mental blow, or are we kind of back to the Jesus Sanchez of of earlier in the year? Tons to get into though t- today, guys. The Marlins clinched a series victory yesterday with a rain-impacted game. And the offense wasn't impacted. Braxton Garrett wasn't impacted. So we're going to talk about that. Main guy back in the lineup, Jazz Chisholm Jr. Clean up Jazz with an absolute blast. So we're going to talk about Jazz. And some people clamoring, not clamoring, that's unfair, about maybe the Marlins should consider trading Braxton Garrett at this point. Sell high on Braxton Garrett. Let's talk about that as well. The Marlins could be all in at the deadline. Should they be all in? What does all in actually mean, and how does that pertain to potentially Max Meyer? Who I think, if the Marlins do go all in and look to do a big, big blockbuster, I think the centerpiece of that could and should be Max Meyer. Um, this episode is sponsored by our good friends over at Game Time. You can download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On MLB for twenty bucks off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. More about those guys. Later on, let's go back to yesterday's game. Quick recap. The main recap was it was it was wet. It got wet and wild uh, in that one. But Cooper Loop got it rolling with an absolute blast. Sorry the Coop isn't in the lineup, but Coop has been carrying a hot bat recently. Great to see Coop. Massive bomb. It's hard to get over that monster. Uh, and he only just did it like just scraped over. They weren't sure if it was. At one point, we thought Coop was just plowing for, for a triple. Full gas from Coop. Just chugging, chugging, chugging. And then they kind of put their hands up and said, no, 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 actually. That's a boomba. Get around there, Cooper a loop And carry on. So, started with Coop. Then, Devers, with an absolute bomb against Braxton Garrett. The only run that Braxy gave up. Braxy just giving up three hits on the day. One of them being that, that home run. Just two Ks. For Braxy, but his outing was cut short. The rain came in heavy, uh, only going through five innings with 66 pitches. So, you know, really, Braxy had at least one, if not two more innings in the tank there, I would say. But wasn't the high strikeout rate, the high strikeout games that we've been seeing. Braxton Garrett in, in June has just been absolutely wild. His last three outings prior to yesterday's, nine strikeouts, eight strikeouts, 13 strikeouts, Braxy absolutely doing it um with the you know with the K recently but yesterday only two Ks so got out in a different way no problem with that still outs. still just three hits one and run big bomb it is what it is it happens but Braxy's been great we'll talk about him a bit later on we then get into the meat and potatoes of this game after the rain delay the Marlins then find a way to make it happen and this is just synonymous with the 2023 Marlins because they somehow find ways to win games that other teams can't this year. The voodoo magic, maybe, but the Marlins are finding ways to get it done. And yesterday, was, it wasn't quite as wild, but there were three walks to load the bases, then a wild pitch to bring a runner in. Then Gene Segura grounds, uh, you know, ground ball from Gene. Surprise, surprise. But it was like a high-chop grounder um, that the, the the shortstop or second baseman couldn't handle. Next thing is, you know, it kind of hits his glove, the heel of the glove, and rolls off. And somehow that infield single scores two as well. So the Marlins, three walks, a wild pitch, and an infield single. And I think an error, actually, on that as well, um, scoring three runs. That gave him the lead that, to be honest with you, the way things were going looked insurmountable, I would say, for the Red Sox. However, then Jazz Chisholm Jr. decided to take over. Valley Sports somehow flipped to a view that I don't think they'd use, like, all game, maybe all season, particularly for live pitching while there's actually someone about to throw. You know, the pitch comes in. It was a lefty, by the way, and Jazz absolutely (coughs) climbed into it. And it was one of those where it looked like Mike Trout at the driving range when he hits that ball it just keeps just going and sailing upwards. That's what it was with Jazz. And because the camera angle, it was, you know, you, you weren't sure, was was it a fly ball? Or, you know, because you don't see that camera angle that often. But the way Paul Severino was was going bananas, like, clearly it wasn't just a fly that was going to be caught at the warning track or anything. It just absolutely kept going. An absolute monster from Jazz. His eighth of the year the 4040 tracker dusted right off love to see it jazz is back baby and he's impacting the game spoke about it a touch yesterday uh with Sean you know this kind of these david sampson sources about jazz and his impact like jazz just wants to be there this is the most fun he said he's had on a baseball field rightly so he's impacting it he wants to just perform wants to turn up and perform and contribute and That's what you want to hear. Like, that's what Jazz is all about. And he's contributing. He's making huge impacts in games. He's only been back for two, but he's making huge impacts. And let's not forget, Jazz is being asked to play center field. You know, this talk about, hey, Jazz is, you know, he's all selfish and people don't like him. Jazz went out of his way to say, Kim, I'm going to solve your center field crisis and go out to center field and play the position for you. I'm going to do that for you and for you, Skip, because I want to win. I want this team to be to be good. It's paying dividends now. Um, obviously, he's had that timeout due to his time at center field. But listen, getting Jazz back in this lineup and delivering is crucial to the Marlins to have Arias, Soler, Brian De La Cruz, and then Jazz in the four spot and Coop in the five spot. That one to five looks nice. Looks nice. And then it's just about like, what production can you get out of Wendell? He's been trending. Can you get Mean Gene back? Birdie, Fortez, mix and match. Jonathan Davis playing in right field yesterday. You know, who would have thought that? The Marlins now have too many center fielders where Jonathan Davis, you want him kind of in the lineup. Maybe he's in the lineup because Jesus Sanchez is really struggling at this point. But, you know, Jonathan Davis in that inning, I talk about with the walks, one of those walks, Jonathan Davis. So, He's doing his thing. It's been a great dub of a trade, that one, no doubt. So overall, a really impressive win in tough conditions for the Marlins there. And to go 13 games over, you know, this has to be the best Marlins team since 2003. I wasn't around as a fan then. I've only started following the Marlins since 2016. And this is, I would say, pretty easily the best Marlins team since 2016. Yes, maybe that 2016, early 2017 team, it had a few more stars in there maybe, but I think that's a touch unfair. I think the Marlins have stars on this team. Arias, clearly. Sandy, clearly. Uri Perez, Jazz Chisholm. Jorge Soler, he's a star. He's kind of underrated. We're underrating Jorge Soler a touch, but he is a star player. Luis Arias, I've already mentioned. Jazz Chisholm, AJ Puck. Like, this Marlins team is littered with guys that are just like, you know, they're all over the show in terms of major league leaders. You know, I saw something earlier, like Andrew Nardi, for example. You know, Andrew Nardi, he's leading the league in not giving up in not giving up runs to inherited runners. I've probably said that wrong, but you know what I mean. When there's a fire, there's inherited runners. For him to work around, Andrew Nardi is the best in Major League Baseball at doing that and handling that situation. Uriah the hit leader. Hoy Soler right up there with the home runs. You know, this has to be the best Marlins team since 2003. For those in the everydayers, and for those guys on YouTube, let me know what you think. Is this the best team since 2003? I think it could be. And obviously, we're only exactly halfway through the season. A lot could go well. A lot could go wrong. There's a deadline there. There's some potential additions this team can make. we we'll to talk about that after the ad because we have to talk about it. I think Craig Mish has used the term all in. Are they going to go all in? And what does all in actually mean for the 2023 Marlins? But this episode, it's sponsored by, and it's our good friends over at Game Time, Sexy Graphics and All Guys. Um, and listen, if you're buying tickets to your favorite events, it shouldn't be a stressful experience. It shouldn't. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, theater, and more. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. You can forget planning months in advance. Game time as, as deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. I wonder if more means tennis. Could it be the tennis? Could be. <laughs> the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Can't say fairer than that, you can't. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use the code locked on MLB for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms to apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code locked on MLB for 20 bucks off. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guarantee. All right. So the Marlins going all in to make this push. The first question we've got to ask ourselves is what do they actually need? Like, there's nice to haves, there's must haves. What is a must have requirement for the Marlins at this deadline? What are the actual holes? I'm not actually sure I know the answer to that at this point, to be honest with you. I think there's a few on the short list. Some would point to catcher and say that's a must-have upgrade. I think overall, I think that's true, but not at this deadline. I don't think the Marlins make a splash with a king and, and, and upgrade the catching spot at this deadline. I think there's too much risk of bringing in a catcher and unsettling the pitchers. Sean Barrett talked about it, I think, last week. In the everydays, I remember this. I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze with that one. For me, Stallings is still Sandy's catcher. Sandy's turned the corner now, seemingly. All of a sudden, the value of Stallings reappears. Fortes, I think, is a good, decent major league catcher. He's definitely improved behind the plate. He's amazing at blocking balls. It's one thing he's really improved at. And the stick is kind of hot and cold, but okay. Serviceable, I would say. So a lot of people have pointed to catcher. I don't think the Marlins do anything. I think they do something in the offseason. I don't know what that'll be, but I think they will. First base. Interesting timing. Let's talk about that. Coop's ill. Guriel, busted face they may all of a sudden have a real need at first base. However, is it, is it a must-have upgrade area? I don't think it is. Particularly when you've got Arias that can kind of slide in there too. So I don't think they'll do anything at first base either. However, the one clear thing there is that both of those contracts are expiring in, in Coop and Gurriel. So again, looking at the off-season, it's going to be... A must-have then. Right now, it's probably a nice-to-have. It would be nice to go and acquire a guy that can play some first base now, but also was multiple years of control and can kind of take over things if needed. But right now, I just don't see the need. I don't see it. Second base, we're covered. Shortstop. Right now, I think we're covered. The Marlins have committed to Joey Wendell. He's performing. He's hitting well. He's been hitting really well since coming back on the IL. Again, shortstops. You know, what options are there at shortstop that you can legitimately go and get at this deadline to improve your team? They're limited, I think. Third base is interesting. Third base is interesting because clearly, Mean Gene Segura, let's remember, he's not a third baseman. He's been asked to go over there and he's actually handled it pretty well. (coughs) So, I think we should tip our caps to mean gene's flexibility and his you know his willingness to go to third well willingness might not be the right way of phrasing it but if gene starts to heat up and knowing the fact that there is another year on gene's contract you know is third base a priority I tend to think it is I think it's it's still an area where they needs they need to consider it the longer term. If they're still happy with Gene Segura playing, like, again, thinking about next year, it's possible Luis Arias could happily slide over to first base. Gene Segura happily slide over to second base. And if you go and acquire someone, a third baseman, right now, you know, great. I think that could work. Candelario is a big name out there. Expiring deal, though. So to go and acquire him, it will only be for this year. What kind of prospect capital is required for that? In theory, it shouldn't be like too crazy, but he's playing well. He's hitting well. He's an upgrade for a ton of teams. You know, I think that third base discussion is closer to the must have rather than the nice to have. Center field were covered, nailed on. Left field, covered. Do we, do we need to upgrade on De La Cruz? I don't think so. Right field, that's your upgrade spot. Corner outfielder, effectively. And the reason being is, Avicel Garcia, his time is done. Jesus Sanchez is so streaky and in reality can't be relied upon to deliver consistent offensive production that you need and expect from your corner outfielder. De La Cruz is streaky too. But with De La Cruz the cold streaks are shorter and the hot streaks are longer. Jesus Sanchez, those cold streaks can go on seasons. They can last a season. You see a flash of hot for a week and then it's a season of cold. Let's hope he finds it again. But the indications of how the manage, the Marlins are managing Jesus Sanchez right now are saying to me, you know, there's concerns there. So for me, that is the most obvious must-have requirement. Offensively, is a corner outfielder Lefty stick. You know, let me know what you think. That's just I think it is the priority spot. The priority. And in a next in the next week or so, gonna start really considering who are the options. If the Marlins are to go all in, I think they'll be targeting that type of profile, but that type of profile that has multiple years of control beyond this year they may look at rentals it's possible and and a lot of other clubs will be looking at rentals too i think for the marlins they've got so many needs to address heading into next year (coughs) that this deadline presents an opportunity to do that similar to what they did with starling mate in 2020 get him for now but also covered for the year after i think they'll look to do something similar From a pitching perspective, for me, the bullpen, when you look at the pen in totality, it's been great. It's been sensational. The leverage pen has been great. I personally don't think they need to add a ton to the bullpen. Could they sell out of the bullpen? I don't think they should be selling anyone. This team, if they're all in, stay as you are. For me, I'm happy with the bullpen. Rotation-wise, they absolutely need to add at least one starter. If not two, depending on the plans with Uri Perez. And also what what the future holds for Edward Cabrera, what the future holds this season for Trevor Rogers. Are either of those guys going to be back at all? If the answer is no, for each of those guys where the answer is no, then you need another starter. So if both Eddie and Trevor are at risk of not coming back this year, you need two starters. You absolutely do. And so that's going to be where the Marlins are playing here, which is, I mentioned it on yesterday's episode, which is kind of disappointing for the Marlins to have to be buying pitching at the deadline is disappointing because a lot of clubs will be in the hunt for pitching and it will make, it'll be expensive to do. So, and particularly when you've got this pipeline of pitchers like coming through Max Meyer, obviously down, Eda's working his way back. Fulton will be working his way back, you know, Six, though, maybe, we, we, you know, making his way back. But this is where it gets a bit tricky for the Marlins, where, you know, it's that mentality of all in. You end up selling some young younger pitching to go and get some major league pitching to help you out this year. I think it could be necessary, though. And it's, it's just disappointing they found themselves in this spot. You would have thought you would have been able to, you know, if you wanted to go out there and get that big stick, then... You know, Max Meyer could be available. We know that they tried to. And let, Actually, let's talk about that. I, I put it out there on Twitter earlier. Max Meyer, I think, has a legitimate chance to be a number two, three starter in, in, in Major League Baseball. What he showed in the minor leagues last year is br- re- real brief stint. Like, it's not early Perez level with Max Meyer. He doesn't have. Uri's tools. He's a generational talent, but I think you. Uh, I think Max Meyer is a serviceable, better than serviceable starter. And listen, Max, spending time with Mel Stodemeyer and within this Marlins organization, he's only going to get better and better. However, he's hurt now, so he can't help now. Maybe he can help back in, you know, in the back ends of September. Someone mentioned to me on Twitter, maybe he could. But here's what we know about Max Meyer. The Marlins were happy to deal Max Meyer in a previous deadline. They were happy to deal him for a controllable outfield arm at that point. That says to me that where the deal is right, they're happy to pull the trigger for Max Meyer. It was the Angels that backed out of that one. So Max Meyer is major league ready. He could help a team next year. So you're looking to do a deal with a team that isn't looking for anything this year. The perfect team is the St. Louis Cardinals. It's the perfect team because they have a ton of pieces. They've got too many pieces. They need pitching badly. This year is cooked. The Cardinals are cooked this year, in my opinion, most likely anyway, they will likely be looking to make some moves at the deadline. And, Max Meyer, I think, absolutely fits the requirement for the St. Louis Cardinals. They need to get younger in the rotation. They need to add a bit of bite in there, a bit of zest. The Marlins Cardinals finding a way to get one of these outfields, maybe multiple players. I don't know. I mean, the Cardinals seem to have so many. But for me, the Marlins have already tipped their hand here. They're happy to deal Max Meyer. I don't think anything's changed there if the deal is right. I think the Cardinals are the perfect trade partner. I think the Marlins end up doing a blockbuster deal with the Cardinals, getting a controllable stick from them. Max Meyer, maybe others, going the other way. It's going to be hard. But overall, you know, the Marlins' rotation looks set for multiple years now. They can do without Max Meyer, I think. He's not going to help them this year anyway. And if they are all in this year, then you deal players that can't help you now that other clubs will see value in and would fit their timeline. And that's why Max Meyer perfectly fits the Cardinals' timeline because next year the Cards will be coming back and expecting to do better. Maybe they'll change their manager. Maybe they'll make a few other tweaks. The Cardinals will be thinking they can win the division next year and Max Meyer could help them do that. So wait to see. There's going to be a lot of deadline talk on this pod you know, for the next month, naturally. What does All In actually mean for the Marlins? I think that fundamentally means any prospect, anyone on that pipeline list, Uri's graduated, is available and could be used to swing a deal to bring in corner outfielder, that's necessary, a catcher with multiple years of control, potentially a shortstop, and also a starting pitcher. Everyone's available, I think, pretty much. How aggressive will the Marlins be? We'll wait to see. This team is already good, though. This 2023 Marlins team is already good. There's some nice-to-have situations, but there's some must-haves. A corner outfielder is a must-have, and a starting pitcher or two, depending on the health of those guys, are must-have requirements. Kim's going to be busy. We need some more teams to be selling. But I think when when it boils down to it, the Marlins and Cardinals end up dropping a big deal. Max Meyer goes the other way. That's going to wrap us up today, guys. Thanks for making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day. The Marlins are about to start. They are going for the sweep in Boston. The Marlins then jump on a plane, head to Atlanta, three game series against the Bravos. And that is going to be, in a word, spicy. Look forward to seeing you then, guys, as we get into. The Braves preview tomorrow, looking to get someone on representing the Braves to balance the conversation a touch. We'll wait to see who that may be. In the meantime, let's go fish. We'll see you tomorrow.